0: And welcome to another episode of Love and Citizenship. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. And I say this with complete certainty that this episode is and will ever be the most important episode that I ever record for this podcast because it's my mum. And so none of this would really be happening if she wasn't around and if she wasn't the mother that she is. And it's a weird one. I really struggled to both record this episode, but also edit it and now doing this introduction for it as well. Because how do you introduce your parent? And how do you introduce somebody that is as incredible a person who is, you know, by some goddamn miracle and luck, I have the opportunity and the, the privilege of calling my mum. See, I'm getting emotional now as I'm recording this intro, but. That is very much in the spirit of what this episode was. We were going to record this episode in India during the pandemic last year, but we didn't for the first season. This was going to be part of season one, but we didn't because we both didn't feel we were ready to have the conversation that we do. And when I moved over to London, as ironic as this is, we got to record this episode on a Zoom call and she sat on the seat that I have sat on for the entirety of last season. So it was a bit weird (laughs) and kind of threw me off as well. But man, this is a conversation that I'm so very grateful that I had. And I think mum and I will have some version of, the, of this conversation again and again. And we've had other versions of this conversation, but not to the same degree, not as the people that we are now having done the work and being in a place in a relationship that we are. And you're probably wondering what this conversation is about. So, well, when I moved to London, my brilliant housemate who deserves the biggest shout out for this, Raj, you really do. He introduced me to a video from the Midnight Gospel about the host having a conversation with his parent on their deathbed, and I was really struck by how profound that experience of talking about death and life and your journey as parent and child could be. And I'm skirting around the issue, I really am, but I sat basically, I sat in front of a microphone with my mum, who, mum if you're listening to this, which I know you are because you always listen to these episodes and I fucking love you for it. (laughs) There were no technical issues and I'm so very glad that there weren't because this conversation is about what it might be like to lose her. And so you can expect a lot of tears. You can expect a lot of sniffles. I try and hold my own, but this is the most vulnerable conversation that I've ever had with anybody. And the fact that I get to have it with her, there is not a thing that this woman doesn't know about me. And... All that I am and all that I will ever be, the good in me comes from from her. And man, (laughs) um, this, yeah, this is, this intro is very, very much like what this podcast episode is, but I'm really glad that we got to do this. And my guest really needs no introduction. She is all that I value and all that I love, and she is the embodiment of love and a fucking incredible mother. So, without further wait, my my guest, my, one of my many soulmates, but probably the oldest soulmate I have, my my best friend, the 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 moral compass of my super, super ego, my mum, my mother. Ma. I am just your mother, that's
1: it. I I think we have something both of us something special. I don't know what to say about that, but
0: thank you for having me. I think the reason I want this conversation uh, for anyone listening it, we had an entire year and month to record an episode while we were still like across the hallway from each other. And the irony will never be lost on me that we have to now do this on zoom where I know you're petrified of things going wrong with the tech. But hey, things, things happen the way they do. But yeah, I think there is something very special in like our relationship. Not because, obviously, you're my mum, but I don't know. I think the reason I this episode I wanted to happen more than anything else is, I think, 13 year old me or 16 year old me, basically me at the times when I thought you weren't around, would have really appreciated hearing this conversation that we're maybe about to have today, because Yeah, that's, that's a thing we'll talk about. But I think there was, if you remember, I mean, you definitely remember it. There was a whole time when I wouldn't really speak a lot,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, I'd call you once every month when I was given like what, 10 minutes, I think, or once every two weeks. And we were given five minutes each time and I'd call and I wouldn't really say anything. And I remember those times, but I think I don't maybe remember them as well as you do, because you're a parent on the other end. But yeah, I think that's why I'm having this conversation. And for maybe, you know, somebody to listen to this be like, hey, maybe this is a conversation I want to have with my parents. In which case, if you feel like you're in a place and you you have a relationship where your mum would agree to jump on a podcast about vulnerability with you, then please do it, I think. OK, so to get the ball rolling, because before we jump into the very uh, <laughs> traumatic questions, I have labeled them in my head. I'm bracing to cry it's, is is how I've approached this episode. Um. What was it like having kids? Did you always know that you wanted kids?
1: Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to have at least three children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I had to settle for two. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I always wanted to have a complete family and I was very sure, I don't know why, that I will have a boy and a girl. Um,
0: why, why? I mean, why did you want to have kids?
1: I love children.
0: Yeah.
1: Or maybe um, that's, that seemed right. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you get married, you have children, you have a family, you have that sense of uh, being, you know, security, I don't know,
0: mm-hmm.
3: maybe, yes.
0: Okay, so so I have a follow-up question then. You you got married when you were 20? Yeah. And you had Didi when you were 23, am I right? 22, 23. Uh, yeah,
3: 23. yeah, And then
0: obviously I come along when you're at the right age of 25. Um, so you, you, you thought about having kids, obviously you've seen other people have kids, but then suddenly you have a kid of your own and Didi is the first one to arrive. So you finally, you know, you have a child that's slowly growing up, well, not slowly, quite rapidly. I could imagine growing up uh, with every passing month. What was it like to, to have this thing, you know, sorry, but like, fuck, I have a kid now that I am responsible for. What was that like?
1: Well, it was not it was nothing to do with the fact that you had responsibility coming up. I think in the beginning when you have children, mm-hmm. it's all about having sleepless nights, just about losing it, no patience, crazy, no schedule, nothing. I mean, one roller coaster, oh my God. And really was always a handful, always. In fact, when you came, it was like a gentle breeze. I mean, you were such a saint.
0: You, you say a gentle breeze, but uh I I was a very sick kid when I was born, mom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was it. That's true. But then um, I think I learned a lot of patience Mm -hmm. after Didi was born. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why, because I've always loved children, I've always had that emotional bonding for children. I've never complained. I mean, yes, I did look forward to a weekend where there would be no kids and I would dump you off to Nani. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. It was it was a tough time in the sense it was a challenge. You were a challenge.
0: Yeah, uh, well, we will get into it, but I'm, I'm very curious while, while we're still here. What was it like seeing Didi for the first time?
1: Unbelievable. Magic. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. In spite of the groggy anesthesia.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I am on an academic path, as you know yourself. That for me i think the more i've been in this master's has, and, and the more i think about you know going down training and someday i would ideally like to work with kids the the things that i read and the even the essay that i'm writing at the moment for me my course is a constant reminder of how easy it is to maybe you know mess your kids up and in a way obviously i feel like oh, i have an unfair advantage because i can see see this, these things but also it makes me petrified so here's my question how do i do it how do I how do I not mess my kids up? Because someday I do want to have kids.
1: You will mess up in some ways, mm-hmm. but you'll always be conscious. And I think I've made a lot of mistakes while you guys were growing up. Mm-hmm. Things I should not have done. And uh, after having these conversations that we normally do, I realized a lot of it was a baggage that I've been carrying uh, from my childhood. A lot of it was there. And I guess it came out on you guys. And I, I don't feel guilty But if I could undo it, and maybe, you know, bring you guys up again, it would be so much more different, I would be more patient, I would not be so anxious, I would not be so hyper, I -hmm. mean, the list is like that. But uh, do I feel guilty? No, because Mm -hmm. I loved and I enjoyed every moment, all that madness. I made mistakes. So there's never going to be a perfect parenting, just like there's never going to be perfect children. Mm -hmm. You're going to be messing up. So long as you're conscious of that, you're open to the fact that you are going to be making mistakes and try and, you know, improve. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, you're dead on. I think we had a very big conversation when I was home, which is I think we needed to have that before this thing could happen. I mean, this conversation could happen. But like, I mean, I feel lucky because I will have you. (laughs) <laughs> to bounce ideas off <laughs> when I do have kids of my own. Uh, and obviously, you know, you don't raise kids alone. You have your partner, you have like all the entire support of the family as well, which I think we had, or I would assume we had, you know, Nani was always around. Masi was around quite frequently. I mean, we lived with daddy and Dada, other, um, but you, no, you're dead on. I think we've, you and I have at length talked about how we grew up or the state of, how how our family has changed over the years as well. But I think when I, when I think about changes that really, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right words for it, but I think not so much as a reset for our relationship, but quite a significant step back, emotionally anyway, was like me changing the environment, which is boarding school, where like weeks would go where I wouldn't talk to you and the times that I did would be quite silent, where I think my classic question to you was Orbital, which in English would be what else, that's all I would ask you. And then I'd expect you to fill in the conversation because I, I just wouldn't talk and there would be emails. I think I used to send you quite regular emails.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: For me, boarding school was a big change or big thing that came between like where we are now and what that was like, but I'm, I'm curious, what was it like for you? Because a prelude to this obviously is for anybody listening into this. I was born with a certain medical condition where my parents nearly lost me when I was very young and I was a very sick kid for many years of my life, quite in and out of hospitals, a couple of UTIs, two bouts of septicemia if I'm right. Mm -hmm. Then I removed kidney later in 2006 and here I am. So I feel lucky that I don't have a lot of memory of it. I do remember 2006 and 2005 somewhat, but the worst, maybe not so much. So you've had this history of, you know, always being mindful of me. And now suddenly you're like, fuck, we need to send him to a boarding school because there's literally no good schools in the city. So what was it like for you (laughs) sending sending your child to boarding school?
1: Well, the usual problems of boarding school, that was not in my mind. Yes, definitely. I was, look, I never had this doubt that you would not have a good, long, healthy life. I mean, that has always been the driving force when it comes to you and me. Mm -hmm. So I had that firm belief that you were meant to live. Mm -hmm. Till date, I always believed that whatever happened happened to that child, you knew, you you had a different name, right? Yeah. And so that conviction I always had, I mean, I knew you'd be fine. I was worried because I think, and that's one of the mistakes that I think I made was I was overprotected. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure you as a parent if, and you become a parent one day is going to be doing something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it happens, it happens just like that. I mean, it's not intentional. And so yes, I was worried about that because you were a simple, clean soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I was worried about that, that, I mean, people do, you know, what burning life is like, Yeah. And yes, I was worried about your health in the sense that you made me promise that you're going to be drinking water. And I think I sort of brainwashed you into drinking water, why it is important and why you think less salt is important and why apples and bananas are the fruits that you should be having all day. Yeah. That's it. You know, when I held you in my um, hands, that tiny little bundle, each time you would go into one of those huge gamma cameras and things like that. Mm-hmm. I always had this one vision, you can call it manifestation, I don't know, that I always saw you addressing this huge, massive crowd and uh, I don't know, I've always carried this vision. So I always knew that you were meant to be free and you were meant to do something, something more than what normal children would do. And Mm -hmm. that is something I never doubted. So I never had this doubt that you would not be fine. A few heartaches here and there because i was more worried with you like i told you about your health yeah i was fine
0: with it i think for me i think the reason i asked this question is i you're dead on i i have the lived experience of being in that environment and we we've talked at length about this and, the, and it doesn't really need to be said here because there's like two episodes before this that i've kind of gone into where for me i had to emotionally lock away the sensitive part of me um, to be able to survive. It ended up being about survival. And I think slowly, the one year or the couple of months when the visa for the Canadian work permit hadn't come through, you saw maybe a side of me kind of lashing out or like still bottled up. But I think as time went on, and I think that couple of months was super helpful because knowing that Cindy would never be a part of my life in a present way anymore, allowed me to start being me a bit more. And I know what it was like for me. But I I I don't know. You know say the first day Mm
2: -hmm.
0: i remember this day i could close my obviously memory gets colored and you add and take details memory is never accurate but the feeling of that day i can picture it oh so clearly i know the last time you sat on the bed i know where my bed was i knew the view that looked out of that window i remember how that smelled on the day It's, it's things like that and i remember them closing the gates And I saw you guys leave and we were like locked up behind. Well, it sounds dramatic, but it was. There were meshes and we were behind these meshes and we couldn't leave. And I saw you guys drive away. I saw I haven't seen Dad cry a lot in more recent years, maybe a bit more. I saw you obviously quite emotional. And I remember as you guys driving away in the white Honda Civic. And what I felt was just like. Uh, I felt very empty um, but that's me right and i I had that same empty feeling every time I left home when I was still um leaving for school i I f- felt that feeling for the first time when I left home this time around because I think I'd been around for so long but yeah that that's what what did you feel like, you know driving away from that fort? On that day and then every single time that i left home
1: well i'll be lying if i say that i wasn't upset mm-hmm. but if you can believe for me you being alive yeah you being healthy yeah and you being happy that was more important than anything else in the world and like dr pandari said every person and everything is justified that somehow stuck to me you know that yeah. That statement of his. And so for me, it was heartbreaking, all right, because I I think I broke down on our way down the fort. Mm. I had to put up that strong face because dad was upset and Nishraji was upset, and then you were upset. I could see it. I always believed that you pass on the energy. Mm. So I knew if I were to go weak, you would, you know, you would crumble. And I didn't want that. And I wanted you to know a strong face. Mm-hmm. So I had to give you that strength. I mean, I, you remember those occasions whenever you don't need to say anything where I just hold your hand and I just sort of pass you the energy, yeah. you know, that feeling? Yeah. So I just said, yeah, it happens till date. I don't feel like eating. I don't, but you know, then I close my eyes and I always remember, if you are happy, if you are fine wherever you are, I'm fine. It's such a such a strong and good feeling. I mean, that just kind of cleans up everything else.
0: For, for me, this is funny that you said. Um I did the math very recently based off a conversation. Um it's weird as well, because I, I I think I said this to you the last time we were talking, where for the first time I felt like, oh, my parents are getting older. Not because you looked old, but there's something. I can't explain it, but it was just like shit, mum mum's a bit older than she was. Maybe it's the way that you walked, maybe it's the way you carried yourself. I was like, no, this woman isn't like 30 anymore. I was like, shit, mum's mum's a bit older. And it was um, the last year in India with especially, I mean, the, the recording of this is bizarre as well because we're coming up to the anniversary of when all four of us got COVID. Yeah. Uh, this is during Delta as well. And we had a fight <laughs> when, <laughs> when we got COVID. <laughs> and I think it's in the aftermath of that when I... We have a joke in the family and I hope dad listens to this so he could hear it. It's like when dad gets sick, he's like slightly dramatic about it. When when you get sick, you you just don't show at all. You Anything, you just continue with life as it was, which isn't healthy, by the way. <laughs> but seeing you both, I think, in a way that I'd never seen it before for me was a big shit. My parents are actually old. Like Covid is a serious like it, it'll it affect you more seriously than it would have, say, even 10 years back. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's there's a lot coming in what I'm about to say, because for me, every time I left home or I've left home, I've come back to very different views in some ways. And for me, I can count my life at home in like vacation visits as uh, just apart from this last year. And I'm glad we made the intention to, you know, we had a conversation when I didn't get accepted into colleges, when I didn't know what life was going. I was in the middle of lockdown. And you said, why are you terrified of coming home? And I did come back home and mm-hmm. we, we worked through a lot of things. I think there's a lot of clarity that's come to me in my life where I'm not terrified of going home. I know I can't. I know there's not a lot back there for me, but I think to, to come around and think I'm avoiding saying what I'm about to say, um, I did the math in like, if I can be home for two months every year till you're 80, um, I only have about 4.9 years to spend with you. Mm-hmm and you know i'm 26 at the time we're recording this and i've only lived 26 years with you i don't know what life is like uh, without you Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know and even when you're not around it's so much easier to just call you right Shit hits the fan i know you're a call away and you always pick up the call i remember giving you a call At three in the morning, the day my relationship ended, and you picked up, no questions asked. And I'm glad and I'm grateful that I have it. But I know for a fact there will be a time when I don't have it. And I know there's a price I have to pay for living the life that I do, for the opportunities that I get. If I hadn't gone to Cindy, I wouldn't be here. A lot of this wouldn't have happened. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am. And I think you you recognize that, and I know I do too. But it's just not fair, if that makes sense, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We have a friendship. We we have a great friendship. And I, obviously, you know this, I love you to bits. I really do. And so I have had these 26 years of not having a life where you haven't been in it. And I will go through something that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. I don't know, It's a weird question to ask but I want uh, how do you prepare yourself for losing your parents?
1: Nobody gets prepared, you know, whenever that happens, it happens. There's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's only so much we can do but, you know, I think it's so much more important to be constantly aware of that problem, if you can understand what I mean and to be able to you don't have a good relationship. I mean, if I were to live with you 24-7 and we did not have a relationship, yeah. I mean, how, how would that be? I mean, I wouldn't look you straight in the eye and say, acknowledge you, or you wouldn't acknowledge me. I mean, isn't it better that we talk once a week, but we are always you are always there in my mind, and I'm sure whenever good things happen or some stress happens, I'm the person you kind of think of, one of the persons you can think of. And that's how it is. Relationships... The parents can be very complicated because like you said it's a very small life and you don't even realize i mean i realized it i was thinking the same thing by the other day i realized that i can't even say that i have 30 more years i mean i i'm 52 and uh, another 28 but um i think you should try and live the best you can yeah and um i think it's the quality i mean i this sounds very Um, typical answer but uh, I think it's so important to be emotionally connected to being to be able to make memories I always tell you I need photos I need pictures because it's all about memories so we
0: do that for me this is so bizarre that people can live in the same house and not understand or appreciate how incredible it is that they have that opportunity because for the longest time you've only ever been a phone call for me you know what i mean our relationship for five years of my life was just a phone call for most part because when i'd be home i really wouldn't talk to you and i've i i don't i don't beat myself up about it anymore because i think i've we've made progress on it but that's lost time that's lost time i'm not ever going to get which is how i view it now every time i try and be home of course there's always things we have to talk about there's tough, tough conversations that we have sometimes but I never want it to be wasted time because I'm acutely aware of how like little time I have left. I mean, in the grand th- scheme of things, 4.9 years is not a lot, um, uh, seeing your parents and I wish we had so much more, obviously you, you, you never want your parents to pass away. And yeah, this sounds very bizarre to anybody listening in, but I think about death quite a lot, I think about uh, death so frequently. I think part of that is me preparing myself for the loss of so many people i mean the most recent one i know is going to happen is maggie whenever that happens um which sounds odd to anybody that's listening in that's you know never lived with dogs and maybe doesn't have that same relationship with them it's weird recording this episode not knowing i can't reach down to her and she's snoring you know because all of last season when i was home she was there she was literally sleeping next to me Um, and for me i have the constant fear that i'll never be home when People pass away. I wasn't home when either of my grandparents passed away. I always came back the next day. I wasn't there when Fifi passed away. I wasn't there when Nanny passed away? I was on a flight. I was at the airport when I called you. And I'm hoping I'm there when it happens with Maggie. And I'm hoping I'm there whenever that happens with you and Papa. But yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing I carry with me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 death is weird and i'm curious do you do you think about death <laughs> maybe as much as i do or maybe not as much as i do do you think about that do you do you, do you think about what you want your last years to be like
1: yeah I don't. But that's peace you know kind of when you're happy if you can man i have all of this i've been blessed um whatever i've wanted to do in life i have been in it i have been able to do it and um I consider this as the last phase of my life. Mm-hmm. It may be long. If you talk biologically about it, another 28, 30 years, but hell, nobody knows. I might just walk out of this room and never be able to see you again. Who knows? I really feel whatever time one has, one needs to, you know, plan, plan in the sense, dream about it, live it passionately. I can do that. I'm in the position right now. I'm so excited in this phase. I'm in. I know you are upset about the fact that your parents are going to die, but there's nothing new about it. We have all gone through it. And there will be a time when there are going to be moments and maybe days when you would not remember your parents. That too happens. It happens to me also. Initially, I used to feel guilty about that. But um, that's what humans are. I mean, the reason we are able to take in so much of grief, we are able to, you know, uh, come out of so much, so many tragedies. is basically because being human, we do have this um quality where we can kind of you know accept grief and learn to deal with it it is sad it's it's always going to get you tears in the life I mean there are days when I go to the mandir and I go and pray and I see the pictures of you know your grandparents, both sides and and I always I mean there are so many people who ask me why have you put the pictures in the temple I mean that's where you have gods there and I say no I mean you always have good people there on the wall. And for them, for me, they are also good people. Yeah. And so these things are part of life. I mean, I, it is so important to have quality in your life. It is so important. And to be, to have that life force, that energy, that excitement, to be able to wake up every morning acutely aware of the fact that it will be your last day. I mean, sound sounds very philosophical and I've had a tough yeah. journey to get to where I am today. Yeah. But I see it happening the most exciting phase of my life. I mean, if you were to see it from my point of view, I see my son almost settled down, my elder one kind of settling down. I am young. I I wanted to have kids when I was young because I wanted to be young enough to enjoy my life without responsibilities, so to speak. Yeah. And i I can see myself doing that, me and Papa, both of us.
3: Yeah.
1: And so life is fantastic. And it, I think it should be the same way with you. I mean, if you close your eyes and you know that your parents are healthy, they are ambitious. I mean, you always make fun about us there. <laughs> that you're so ambitious that you're setting goals for us, you yeah. know. Yeah. You
0: should
1: be happy about that.
0: No, I, that is true. I also think, don't want to say forget, but I get very easy with like the amount of life left. I mean, I most consciously, I nearly died in a car accident. I think something really changed since then and which is why I do everything that I do now because I know I want to make sure there's a net positive that I leave right and I think I got that from you since we were kids I've always seen you and dad do good for literally everybody around with no selfish gain inside the things that you're now putting in place for your life I think I see you guys set down your roots in a way that will be a net positive to the community that you will find yourself in. But man, <laughs> this, is, this is a weird one. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep circling around death because you and I have many times talked about how like all we have a guarantee for is like what we have in our lifetimes. Where like once you die, whenever that is, you will cease to exist and you will only continue as a memory in my mind and the, these minds and our grand or your grandkids if you see them. And it's interesting. It's interesting you talk about how there are days when you forget about, say, your parents. Or say, I'd say even your grandparents, you remember your grandparents. I don't, I have no idea. Say, say for anybody listening in, we talk about Beji, who would be my dad's daddy, grandmom, uh, paternal, quite a lot in the house. But like, I I don't, I have a photo of her in the mandir, but I don't know her. So with my passing, she will cease to exist. I don't know. This is a very open question and you have my complete permission to go on a tangent on this. We've talked about your last years, we've talked about you thinking about death. I don't know, mom. (laughs) What do you want me to know? Say, say, you know, the time is here. This is thought exercise, (laughs) right? Time is here. You have a year. And we know after a year, all of us will cease to exist. What do you want me to know? What would you tell me? What would you like me to know? Other than obviously, I love you, which is a given, but yeah. I think you should
1: just take it easy.
3: (laughs) You don't
1: really need to think a lot. And I think the most natural thing, Pranav, in life is to love, to open yourself. It's absolutely okay. People who deserve you, people who can handle you with your minuses, your, you know, flaws, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. End of the day, it is going to be who you forgave. You know, you feel so light. You feel so light. It's such an extra luggage. Holding on to what people say, keeping—you know—one of the reasons why I've learned to forgive. I mean, you know, what my life and your life and body—we have had some experiences which I don't think people should have. But there are some things we don't have any control of. it's
3: mm-hmm. so just
1: take easy. Just live your life. It's one short life, and if you're multitasking, well, I'm proud of you because this is your time. This mm-hmm. is your age. You have the energy. Go for it
0: here's a couple of follow-up questions. There's a couple of them. We we don't have to go into the details and I'd prefer not to maybe for myself anyway. Yeah, it's a it's a done deal. I think is why it doesn't need to be really revisited. Uh, but uh, if you, I don't know, if you're new to the podcast, I was assaulted by a teacher in school and my mom's a survivor of abuse as well. What was it like? Uh, because you were the first person I read that essay out to, but also you were one of the first people that I told about when that happened or much later you hadn't I don't think you had a clue that it had happened till I told you when I was like 19 or 20 I think I was 20 when I told you Mm -hmm. what was it like for you hearing about the thing that I'd gone through
1: I thought in some ways that I'd failed you that was the first response
0: Mm
1: -hmm. or maybe I should have I was in certain ways very very careful and pretty, you know, explanatory. If you can understand, I would always make it very open. I've always made you both aware of the fact. And I I really felt that, I felt sad that you had to go through, through the same thing that I went through. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, it robs a person of certain emotions and innocence. And that, it was not, it's not fair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I felt.
0: I never blamed you. Mm-hmm. Because how could I? And i I think even times when like boarding school got really tough, the one thing that was always dead certain was we all knew, at least so far as we were concerned, you, me and dad, why I had to go. I think it was a uniform decision. It wasn't that you forced me to go to school. I think I wanted to. And because I knew it came from a place of giving me a best life, I could never blame you. I think the only it's not a blame. It's it's actually not even a blame at all. I think if anything the reason I couldn't open up about it before was because I felt so much shame. Mm-hmm. Shame for putting myself in that position, shame for you know not being smart enough. You know, when you're in boarding school and you've, you're at, at, at age 14, you're already like three years ahead of like most day schoolers because you had to fight every day. I, when it actually happened for the first time, I in my head was like a 17 year old. Mm-hmm. And I should have seen it coming. I, you know, I was aware, I, we, we you talked to us, the kids about like abuse and inappropriate touching and being careful in like, because we used to go to like communal swimming pools for the mm. evening and all of that. You'd given us the lessons you told us to be careful, but obviously this, this was a whole <laughs> other thing that didn't happen at a pool at all. So I never blamed you, I've never blamed you for it. I think I've the only person who I've blamed for the longest time has been me, whereas the only person that needs to be blamed is him. And in some way, I will give school some flack for it as well. But yeah, if if I could do it again, the, the disclosure more than anything else, I'd, I'd do it in a much better way than like an outburst. So yeah, I know you know it, but I think you should know it. I don't blame you, I've never blamed you. And there's nothing you could have done. And I don't think it affected our relationship either, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. I think whatever it affected my relationship with other men, me, I don't think it did anything for to take away from us. I think opening up about it has only deepened our relationship because we could connect on something more. Yeah. So here's here's another question. Then this is another follow up question. I was born a sick kid. You've seen me maybe at my most helpless. And I think you were quite helpless at the time as well. Mm -hmm. What was it like in obviously 95, but also 2004, 5, 6, kind of seeing your very young kid go through, I mean, all of that. I
1: think, um, I did go through a phase where I thought I felt responsible for what was happening to you. I think it's very natural. Something that I didn't eat, some multivitamin that I did not take—that that had to happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was absolutely one of the freaks that things happen to you, you know, people. Yeah. And I, there were days when I would go looking at other people. I would go look at other children, kids, young infants, and I would say, "Does that child also have the same problem as problem does?" I mean, uh, and or why didn't they have? How come they are very normal and my son's struggling to even walk? Mm-hmm. I felt guilty as hell. I have been through that. Mm-hmm. When I went through a phase where I had the fighter in me, and I think that is the mom energy, if you can understand, where I had to fight it out. I mean, I said, no, I'm going to be giving energy to this little baby. And you were such a tenacious little thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, brothers. I have always felt, if you know this ritual side, yeah. I have always believed that you were meant to. If you remember the story where uh, one day when the doctor Bandari said that you know if he survives the night after your operation because there was no urine output and the catheter was there in the bladder and there was none coming out and so just was not a very good sign. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, praying to God that night. We were just twenty days and that too premature. And that I remember praying that night that you know if something has to happen, just take away this child in the night because it. It, the child should not suffer and in that state if you can understand, and in the morning when I woke up, the nurse shook me and she said, you know, in Hindi, she obviously said that, you know, wake up the urine is spilling all over the room, why don't you clean it I mean, because it was my duty, I was obsessed that nobody should touch the euro bag because of the yeah.
3: fear of infection
1: that was the day I always, if you can understand I always had this belief I had this full faith that Come what may, that was your journey as a person in this lifetime and my journey as your mother in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Nothing would happen to you. It was the same feeling the day you argued and fought with me in 2012 where you wanted to go drop, Avi. 2013. That- 2013. And I was like, oh I <laughs> knew feeling. This- <laughs> and the moment your call came, I was in the class and I picked up and I knew something was wrong.
0: You, you've got to admit that took a lot of strength to get out of that car and bring him home as well to make that walk with my scalp hanging over my head <laughs>
3: just... you just missed
1: it by the millimeter oh it was it...
0: bizarre
1: so <laughs> yeah you've always been blessed i mean there has been a reason why you had to go through i hope nobody else has to i'm mean, mm-hmm. doing crazy very stressful days but I've left them past behind because I genuinely feel that if you kind of keep repeating those things and if you keep remembering them I have just kind of I feel it happened to somebody
0: else it's it's I think it's also I I said this to you so not that we need to go into the details of it but I have had a few A&E visits since I've moved to London and it's all sorted now it was just like a minor infection but before that happened I think it's so easy for me. I'm not sure if it is for you. It's so easy for me to forget that I had anything. Like so, I have n- only one kidney. I will not tell you which one for anybody listening in. Should you want to rob it <laughs> for some bizarre reason, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't. But most days I do forget about it, which which is why I think it's. I asked that question as well because I have no you know memory of a lot of it. Here's a here's the final one then, <laughs> the follow up before I get to the. We start wrapping this up the this this actually i'm i'm very interested but i because i don't think we've talked about this so here you visited ireland for the first time in 2018 what? no 2019 summer of 2019
3: yeah
0: and we were waiting to head out on the city and i sat you on the bed and i was telling you i was exploring this thing called non-monogamy and then in this was also the timing of it was perfect because you were taking a train that evening. I sat you on your bed when I was home and I told you, I came out to you as bye. And I feel I am very extremely lucky, I think, because my disclosure to you, coming out to you was important uh, because I, I've said this to you. I've said this to you every time we talk about any of anything remotely serious or like if something happens to me, because I think about it that so often. And I have nearly died three times. So the stats, <laughs> the stats are in my favor. Um, if something were to happen to me, I want you to be aware of who I was, right? You, you know, a lot about my life, quite a lot, actually, which is quite surprising because both from like the culture we come from, but also the relationships that boys tend to have with their mums in our part of the world. This is very uncommon.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What was it like? Hey, did you know I was by any time in my life? Or what was it like hearing about these things like, oh shit, you know, was it a significant, like, oh, the way you see me has changed or like, were you concerned with like, how are these life choices going to affect his living? What was it like?
1: I wish I could answer something very dramatic, but I'll be very honest with you, when it comes to you,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's not that I, I couldn't be bothered what you do in your private life. I know you are an upright human, sensitive, caring. Mm -hmm respectful of other people humans, animals everybody yeah. it's your life and if you're happy and healthy I, I I don't care. you need to be a good human being that is it and I don't need to know the fantastic names because yes I am illiterate when it comes to all of that but I just need you to be a very sensitive human being respectful, caring mm-hmm. and leave a good mark once you leave when you exit when your time comes. Yeah, it doesn't
0: matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, I I am surprised by how long it took me to tell you as well. It was, which is so ridiculous now that we're even talking about it, or we have talked about it. I just for some reason thought you'd never understand it, uh, but you do, which is great. I lucked out. Um. But yeah, it's a. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you know these parts of my life because you read you read the things that I put out. You tune into the shit that i talk on this podcast so i mean you you're very privy to this so last couple of questions <laughs> because we can be here forever and to start wrapping this up i think i said how i have only ever known life with you you had 25 years of your life without me and i ask you that same question about Didi. you know what was it like seeing didi for the first time but here's it's that similar question what was it like seeing me for the first time? Uh, I know you have the joke of like, you look like a chimpanzee because you had so much hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but after after I'd come out of uh, po- uh, you know <laughs> post-operational uh, care, uh, what was it like meeting me for the first Because I have no memory of meeting you for the first time, do you know what I mean? This is how it is. I will have a memory of meeting you for the last time or the last moments I spend with you but I'll never have my first memory of you because you have been my life. Mm-hmm. What was your first memory of me or what was it like meeting me for the first time?
1: Hmm, you were such a tiny little thing. You were very tiny because I think you were over a month plus premature. Mm-hmm. And I don't think of you actually gave us time to think and uh, to enjoy you being born because <laughs> the night you were born, you went into some problem and then... Then immediately after that, I had that gut feeling when you were born that something was wrong. Yeah. Again, there I go. Mm. I had that gut feeling. I've always told you this.
0: Yeah, I was a theatrical kid. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm dramatic as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just like no time for caution. We're going into the big, big dramatic, you know, intro <laughs> to life.
1: Um, well, I think you know your young childhood went with a lot of stress you do not have a almost a normal childhood like most people yeah. do with me hovering over you worried about you so i think that part of your life where i need to worry about you finished there and then i hope so and since then since no i know yeah. that since then we've always had a fantastic life i mean mm-hmm. I, I i always tell you that i'm so proud of you for every little thing not because i'm saying it because you're special to me yeah but because you You are a clear person. There are no filters. You are what you are.
0: What you see is what you get.
1: You are so, you are such a rare thing in today's world.
0: I mean, you are biased in fairness because I am your child, but I will take that compliment. (laughs) I will will wholeheartedly take (laughs) it. My my follow-up in terms of just me being born and that, what has it been like seeing me as an adult living a life of my own? a very non-standard life. You, we, we've talked about this. I don't very much live a prescriptive life. I do these weird things that people don't really get or like people wouldn't do with their time. You know, I buy far too many headphones. You know, these are things that we know about. <laughs> uh, what, what has it been like for you seeing your child grow up to be this oddity, basically? I think I've enjoyed every
1: bit of, transformation that you've gone because it Mm -hmm. just shows that you're alive that you are living your life at your own terms yeah and what's wrong in that i mean if i were to give an opportunity i always tell you i wish i had parents like i and dad Mm -hmm. i don't know where we would would be so it's one life you have if we have given you the independence the wings to fly why not you need to live your life
0: okay here's 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 the final question then before we we stop recording The way we communicate, not just like every day, but like just how we communicate and what we talk about, it's very different. I've never seen this in either any of our family, although I have a very distant view of that, but I've never heard, we'll say. Maybe it it, it does change when you move to maybe, you know, the West and this part of the world where like you see more amicable and friendly relationships with the parents, or like, I think you and I meet as adults. Why do you think we work?
1: I think because we have this respect for each other,
0: mm-hmm.
1: besides love, because love yeah. is where you don't judge a person, do you? You just ask people for what, who they are. And I think I accept you for who you are.
3: Yeah.
1: For me, you being, you know, you're so many, I don't know, you are far, far, far away. And for me, that you are happy each night when I go to sleep, and I know that you are happy doing your bit, you have your life kind of worked out with mm-hmm. a few you know things here and there. It's it's so much. It's so much peace there is. You don't know that sense of achievement, that sense of fulfillment, that sense of satisfaction. That that you know. That's what your child is happy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: With whatever choices they've made, I am fi- I am. I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm going to be repetitive here, but I'm so proud of
0: you. I'm proud of us. And you're dead on, I think we accept each other and we respect each other. For me, I've had a journey of like, this is this sounds bizarre, but I I I think every child needs to go through this, where you start seeing your parents not as like these, you know, godly figures that can do no ill, but as just people. And the day I started seeing you both as people, I think our relationship really started getting better. And I think that's that's significant. And I think we work because we, this sounds cliche and this, I don't want this episode to also be called meeting in the middle, but because I think we do as adults, you and I respect our boundaries. And, you know, we we have a lot of common things to nerd out about. My mum loves her murder mysteries. There's never been enough murder mysteries made in this world uh, (laughs) that she wants to watch. (laughs) She's watched all of them. Every time, every time we would sit in front of the television. I was like, "What do you want to watch?" He's like, "Bring me a murder mystery." I was like there are not many left. There's all the shitty ones. Uh, it's uh, it's funny, but see here. By the time I'm home next time, there will be some more, and we can we, we can watch them. Um, I mean, I'm conscious of the time.
1: Um, I will just say one thing, brother. Go on. I think when it comes to parenting or relationships, which which most parents have with their children, I think one of the I mean, I don't want to use that word, but one of the biggest fuck-ups is when mm-hmm. parents hold this ego that they don't know that they can do wrong and accept and, you know, take the responsibility of it. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I have never had any shame in apologizing to either of you, you mm-hmm. Tr- or you.
3: Yeah.
1: And I always put myself in your shoes or her shoes and realize what would it be. And that's one of the reasons why we are able to, you know, come down to um, understanding. understanding. You need to give that respect to your child. And that is such an important
0: thing. I am going to sit us both down 10 years from now and listen to this episode. And I think it'll be very weird listening to this episode 10 years from now.
1: After uh, we've completed a half marathon, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, possibly a half Ironman who knows. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it will be. I mean, we 10 years, we would have done definitely one of those things. I'm just very grateful. I tend to ask the guests that I'm on, or I've tried to more recently, what their hope is for themselves ten years from now. But I'm going to go on a limb and change this question to like, what do you hope for me ten years from now, Mum?
3: I want
1: to see you doing whatever you are doing at that te- at that time, mm-hmm. happily so, not dragging yourself. So that needs to have a very very conscious choice on your part, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and a fulfilled life. Lots
0: of children. I mean, that's a little too much, but maybe that is the Desi parent kicking in
1: there. I'd love to see them driving you and your partner crazy
0: (laughs) over. Oh, yeah. No, I I hope I have a partner 10 years from now. I'd ideally like to, you know, and I I have full faith that I will. I'm not going to be tragic and say that's not going to happen. I I don't know. My hope for you is you get to live peacefully in the middle of nowhere and Mm -hmm. that you have an army of elephants around you um, (laughs) that that'll be that'll be pretty amazing but no I this is this is my truest wish uh, exactly 10 years from now or somewhere around this time you know that we get to wake up to you know the sound of peacocks
3: yeah
0: I want us sitting on the deck drinking coffee hazelnut coffee preferably because that's what I'm drinking right now and I know Mm -hmm. you'd like hazelnut coffee as well I want us sitting on a deck, drinking hazelnut coffee to the sound of peacocks and just chatting about this. Do you remember 10 years back we recorded this episode? Oh, do you remember the time when you were a struggling student, not sure what your next career choice would be? I want that to be the conversation 10 years from now. And I just, you know, I hope you're healthy and uh, I'd still like you to be around in a very active way. Um, I think is what my wish is, but listen. Of whatever I expected this episode to be, I'm very glad it's unstructured and it takes it's, it's my privilege to have a parent who would be willing to come on and have a vulnerable conversation. And uh, I don't know, there's a lot I can say, but I just want to say, I love you.
3: I love
1: you
0: all oh. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have another episode out next week on the Wednesday, and if you like what we do, and the work that we're putting out, do consider joining our Patreon. Till then, this has been Love and Citizenship, and I will catch you in the next one.